Welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here, as always, by Rich Rebar and TA, the team over here at Sharp Football Analysis. Guys, here we are. Football has happened since uh, the last time we talked, and football is going to uh, continue to happen. We have, uh, there's one weird week where there's nothing going on after the third preseason week, but like after this, there's, it's just football all the time. We are back. How are we feeling about this? Good, man. It's nice to, to actually see some games. I mean, they're you know, it was a reminder that, you know, preseason football is bad, but it was good to have it still back. And, you know, three weeks from tonight, I mean, listen, we're going to have the first game. So we are in the 11th hour for sure. Yeah, like Rich said, good to watch some games. I mean, it's it's pretty strange this year compared to in the past. Like all these teams are just sitting their starters. Like you don't usually see that until, um, you know, week four. And then obviously week one, you know, you don't see a lot of that. But the fact that like, you know, these teams are announcing that none of their starters are like going to play the entire preseason is just new. So we're getting so many backups to watch. So it's really just comes down to, you know, what are the, what are the rookie quarterbacks look like? And then, you know, some random, random players here and there that we can discuss, but um, it's good to be back and, and, you know, watching these games and, you know, won a few bucks on uh, in the preseason. And if you took all the unders, you're probably swimming in cash right now, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting uh, first, what, 10 days of, uh, of preseason. So looking forward to a couple more. As long as they can end injury-free, man, that's all I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's true. Uh, but I think what happened was last year we, it proved that, you know, lack of practice time, lack of preseason doesn't really affect things. So coaches and organizations are like, well, why even risk it anymore? And so maybe this is the trend going forward. Yeah, it's real interesting. Now, I was actually uh, – on the radio this weekend and got asked about this, uh, about how teams are you know treating the preseason. And it's weird with this new three week schedule where it, there are a lot of teams that are resting as starters. Like you said, TA, like there's some, like the, the McVay thing is taking over where some starters just aren't going to play at all. And, but then there's other teams that are still trying to figure out how they're approaching the preseason in, in terms of, their starters in terms of the rest, because with the normal preseason schedule, we know it used to be, you played a little bit in the first game. You played a little more in the second game, you played most of the third game and then sat those starters in the fourth game. Now teams don't really know how they're going about this. I know like the giants were acting like the first game was the fourth game of previous preseasons where they didn't really play any starters, but they're going to a little more in the second and third. I think we're, we're seeing that a, a little more too. So I think in the second and third weeks, we'll see uh, a few more starters come in as teams try to figure out how exactly they want to manage the starters that are going to be playing. Uh, uh, in these in this weird now uh, three week preseason, yeah, the only weird one I thought was you know you want to see these guys that change teams. The only weird one was the Panthers, like not playing Darnold. Uh, you know, I mean, you got him changing teams, new new kind of new system, new new weaponry. Uh, for him not to get like live reps in week one was really weird. Uh, but all the rest, that you know, it made sense not to you know if you got star players, man. We see it, saw this like Ta said from last year. There's no reason to play these guys. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like you need these guys to take snaps. It's not you know one well, you know what does one drive matter for a starting quarterback? Like it just doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the day, these scrimmages are just as good, and I think that's where you're seeing a lot of the the starters really play are these yep. kind of joint practices mm-hmm. more than anything. So 
you know, as a fan, we want to see more of it just because we're, we just want to see the, the, the guys are actually going to play in the regular season, but you know, it gives us a chance to look at some of the rookies and some of the under, you know, unheralded guys, I think. So um, it's for the real hardcore fans, I think in us. Yeah. I think uh, we've seen the from the past couple of years from the XFL and the AFL, like all that stuff that's kind of like the, the drop off in football talent, like just is, it doesn't, it's not linear. Like it is in some other sports where you can watch amateur football. And that's kind of what we have going on in these, in the, especially just for one week of preseason. And uh, it turns out that the good football players uh, are the best in the world. And the next tier down is not very good. Yeah, that's certainly true. But uh, for the, the weird people like uh, so I'm going to throw us in the group that, that love some of these uh, guys who are not going to be seeing, you know, any snaps uh, in the, in the regular season, or, you know, if, if things go well for the teams, uh, these guys won't be playing snaps, but as someone who was, you know, flipping through, um, you know, which preseason game to watch the last week and then making sure I was watching the second half of the, the Ravens game to see when Tyler Huntley came in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, it's highlights for, for, uh, for some, uh, very sick people like yeah as a dynasty guy too like i've always uh, you know want to watch these these oddball you know fourth round flyers and see what they look like when they get in the games uh jaquan hardy from dallas is a guy that i really was excited about he's he throw him tiffin too uh you know he's actually looked good both games i mean but you know he has no shot to contribute to the cowboys but it's you know fun to watch and see how he is because you know you want to take these late round flyers on guy on guys and you know see what just what works out so hopefully you know maybe he has a strong preseason you know, someone poaches him off the practice squad and he gets a shot to play somewhere else. And what, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to um, fully read this. I know there was an article that was out, uh, I forgot who wrote it, uh, about, you know, the real, you know, the, what you really glean from uh, preseason is kind of the, the different formations and the different styles of personnel groupings and those sorts of things on offense, which I think is interesting. I mean, I, just for, I know anecdotally as a Browns fan two years ago when Freddie Kitchens took over in the preseason, they ran a ton of 11 personnel, right? And it was way more than they had run the prior regular season when Kitchens took over at the second half of the year uh, when Todd Haley was fired. Uh, and then he proceeded to just almost run exclusive 11 personnel, um, you know, when, uh, in that next season. So, my guess is, um, I don't know if you guys had read any of that uh, information or if you guys have done any of the studying about, you know, is, is there a correlation between, you know, how these coaches uh, throw out personnel groupings uh, in the preseason to regular season? Is that something that we should all as a fan be looking, looking towards um, as some sort of predictor? I mean, I haven't like gone back and correlated it, but I mean, that's the stuff that I'm looking for when I'm watching these games, these teams are, what are they working at? It's like the Steelers are a big example, right? We've talked ad nauseum at just how the Steelers ended their season last year and how they played offensive football. That was so one note and played right into the hands of everyone that wanted to defend them. But if you look at right now, so far in two games, Matt Canada has used pre-snap motion on 60% of their plays. They use play action on 23% of the time. Last year, they only used play action 10% of the time, uh, motion 42% of the time. So if those are things that hold up, uh, that's how you can counter having an objective bad offensive line, right? We believe that they have the deficiency in talent on the offensive line, but by running motion, by running play action, those are kind of little lipstick on the pig to make this offensive line a little better. Uh, Is it going to be an elite offensive line? No, but this is how you can counterbalance having a deficiency in an area. I'm curious to see how much it stays sticky with Ben because Ben hasn't played, but if these are things... 
if these are things that are going to be part of this Steelers offense coming this season, it's going to be significantly improved. I mean, it, it very much through two preseason games has a very Sean McVeighian type feel to it. The way they've used their personnel and the way that they've used kind of motion. If you think about McVay, what he's had at the Rams, and he has not had a lot of really good, strong, objective offensive linemen on that roster. You've had, you've had Whitworth, they've had Saffold there, but he's turned a lot of you know you know chicken shit into chicken salad. What they've had there uh, on the offensive line. So I mean, if the Steelers are able to do some of the stuff they've done in first two games, I think it's very encouraging to what this offense can be because we know they have a ton of talented individual skill players. Yeah, and I think that's such a key. I mean, that is um, the Steelers are definitely the one of the teams where you're really looking for how much that is going to change and carry over. I mean, we all saw once you know Matt Canada was promoted to uh, offensive coordinator, like that was going to be the thing to watch of whether his emotions were going to you know, translate. And you know, obviously, like you said, they have during the preseason. I'm just I'm so interested to see what it's going to look like when Roethlisberger does come in, because that's something he has been extremely hesitant in doing, um, especially things like, uh, you know, being under center, running play action. They ran 11% play action last year, easily the lowest in the league. Uh, Roethlisberger just doesn't want to turn his back to the defense. That's something as someone uh, as the old as he is with his arm, um, it, it's, he likes sitting back there, being able to survey the defense, not having to take his eyes off it. Um, I guess there have been reports from Pittsburgh that he's a little more open to um, doing a, a little more of that. Uh, but I think early in the season, there was also, uh, you know, some Matt Canada quotes where he said, you know, we're still going to do a lot of what the Ben likes to do. Um, the owner has uh, expressed we we want to run the ball. So it was kind of like Matt Canada was saying, listen, I know what I want to do. I'm not necessarily, <laughs> <laughs> I might not get the free reign to do what I want to do. So I am preemptively letting all of you know um, that if we don't run a lot of play action, if we don't run a lot of motion, if we're running a little more than you think we should, those are things that have been put on me. They're not necessarily what I'm trying to do for this offense. So um, it's, it is really interesting because I think when you look at a lot of those things, uh, like the you know the jet, even the jet motion that they're doing, they ran a little bit of that last year, but they were all just jet sweeps, right? They were you know it was Chase Claypool taking the the jet sweep. It wasn't using the jet sweep to you know set up a play action pass. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, looking now at Sports Info Solutions, had did 17 uh, pass attempts that had some kind of jet motion, and. Uh, negative 37 air yards uh, on all of those. So those were jet sweeps that were, you know, mm -hmm. usually set up some kind of screen in, in some way. And when you're just moving backwards like that, it's not a way to really set up the offense. So um, if they are more capable of, of adding to that uh, in uh, the offense with Roethlisberger, I think that's it's kind of what they have to do, right? There's, there's really no other way. If they keep running what they did last year, I, like we saw what happened at, at the end of the year, um, you know, Roethlisberger couldn't consistently hit, uh, you know, plays in the middle of the field. He really was, you know, not that great hitting deep plays down the sideline. And that's really all that offense was. If, if they weren't running after the catch, which they weren't great at setting up either, um, you know, that's what happened in that second half of the year, why they completely fell apart. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see. I think another team that I was real interested in, in seeing kind of their, their tendencies, how motion was going to work was Arizona. And I, I think I might write about this on the site, but I tweeted a couple things uh, after I, you know, rewatched their game. Um, 
you know, they were, you know, a team that we've talked about a bunch, a team that didn't use motion a, a whole lot. Um, and they were you know, very static that the ISO to one side, you know, they didn't have their starters playing. But I think what we did see, we saw Rondell Moore um, and we saw how they're going to try to get him uh, involved in the game. And they were, you know, using a motion for a reason. Um, there was one play on a, on a third and one uh, where they motioned the, uh, the outside receiver uh, into a tight split, ran play action, and Chase Edmonds was it basically had a, a free sideline uh, because all of the defense was moved over because of the motion pre-snap. Um, and when Arizona did use motion last year, it was usually on a, a on a third and short pass. But if they're able to you know use that a little more, but they were using the the jet sweeps. The very next play uh, was uh, Rondo Moore end around. Uh, they were in split back, uh, and uh, they had motion before Moore came back around the opposite way of the motion there was a fake screen on there so they were doing a lot it's still you know horizontal uh there wasn't a <laughs> no lot of that so it was a little horizontal raid uh as uh, you know it's jokingly been called but they were also you know pushing the ball a, a little bit down the field when you know colt mccoy which uh, is just funny to say uh was in in the game early they had a split back uh set that they uh pushed the ball downfield and nice some uh, nice play to, to christian kirk i think one of the interesting things is they they used a lot of split back um, in this game, two backs on the field, uh, whether it was, you know, uh, Edmonds and Connor or, or Edmonds and, uh, and our boy, uh, you know, Benjamin, who should probably get a little more playing time, had a nice run at the end of that game. I, I'm kind of wondering for Arizona if, you know, we talked about how they use uh, a little more, you know, 12 personnel than we thought. They became, you know, pretty heavy 12. But with Dan Arnold now uh, gone, I wonder if they're going to use a little more, you know, either 21 or 20 and kind of set up the defense that way to get, you know, the defense into base uh, and use some of those dynamic players. You maybe get Chase Edmonds, James Conner on the field at the same time or, or Edmonds and, and Benjamin um, and, and use that as their change up from, you know, the, the 10 personnel. So I think that's a real interesting thing. And if that's the case, I think that's a, a real you know, positive side for what could potentially be, you know, an Arizona offense that also really needs to develop. Well, remember Cliff uh, two years ago was his first preseason and he didn't show anything. Remember he regretted it. He, he commented after at the start of the season that he really wished that they would have showed more in the preseason that they were working on. Um, and then remember last year, he didn't have a chance to calibrate because there was no preseason. So we might actually see him adjusting to mistakes he may have made as a, as a rookie head coach, you know, two years ago. Yeah, I think it was the thing where he said he's he's not going to show he's still not going to show everything he wants to do in 2021. But I think we we definitely are seeing already just through that one preseason game. And you know, obviously the this caveat of no starters, there's no Kyler, there was no you know DeAndre Hopkins. It was you know it was Colt McCoy and uh, Chris Stribler uh, running this offense. Um, so. Uh, but I think there there was just a, a little bit of of what could potentially be a changeup again, and and this is an offense. I think that's you know what we were looking for. We talked about the Steelers, talked about the Cardinals, of uh, two offenses that that needed to change uh, in structure a little bit to you know take another step uh, and potentially you know they get them you know either into the playoffs or back into the playoffs. Um, but in, in terms of to not take a, a massive step back from last year, which I think was was definitely possible. Um, so the, the big takeaway, uh, what we said is, you know, all five rookie quarterbacks, uh, did play. So, uh, as we, you know, went into this, you know, we got 
a decent uh, a decent amount from from some of these guys. You know, not so much uh, from others. But I think that is the, the one thing. I think my biggest takeaway from these rookie quarterbacks was that at the worst, they all look fine. Which you know, I think is a promising sign for even you know, it, with the caveats of not everyone played against a first team. Um, some were you know against some some watered down defenses, but the fact that none of them really looked, and and I think we can say pro- the odds are not all five of them are going to be great. Um, you know, there are someone in this group is probably going to flame out at some point just because that's we rarely get uh, you know a, a quarterback group you know. It, even 2012, when we were looking at how many good quarterbacks could potentially come from that, like those guys have, you know, fallen apart and there's not as many as we thought there were in 2012. Um, so we rarely get those types of classes, but I think there's, there's a positive that, you know, all of these guys you know, had at least flashes where they looked good and, and no one really looked overwhelmed. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. I didn't watch all, I couldn't watch all the, the, uh, of these games, but you know, you see the Trey Lance throws just an awesome, you know, off the, off the bootleg left and just throws across his body, like just perfect, like 50 yards in the air. And you would have thought, man, this guy is it. Like everything, everyone was tweeting about how, you know, just, just hand him the keys. And, and then you look at the end of the day and he took a bunch of sacks, you know, he, he didn't play well <laughs> in terms of throwing the ball outside of that really one throw, but you see the glimpse and like, that's really all you're looking for is just kind of that one glimpse of, you know, that's a throw that Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, does not make most likely the, those are the things that a guy like Lance, that's the upside with a guy like Lance. Um, but, you know, in general, he wasn't, wasn't great overall. Like he just had that, you know, that one big flash, you know, same thing with Justin Fields. I, I'm an Ohio state guy. And so I'm, I'm biased there, but like his first two drives are not very good. He held the ball, a, you know, he held onto the ball a ton. Um, you know, most, uh, among that's what he does. <laughs> that's what he does, but that's, you know, and I tweeted about this too. So going into the, going into the draft process, there's a lot of similarities between him and Deshaun Watson, just, but from a, from, you know, the standpoint of both were really big winners in college played for big programs, you know, like the average Joe would say that that guy should be the number one pick, but when you kind of scrutinized, uh, some of the, the the characteristics and the flaws. It was you know, they they kind of after their first read, you know, typically you know they put their head down and kind of look to run with the ball, or they kind of hold on too long. And it's very similar. Both guys had a lot of those similar traits. And you look at you know Deshaun Watson. If you look at his rookie season in preseason, um, he was second in the NFL in, in uh, time to throw the ball. So like these guys, so he had a similar kind of issue wasn't as severe as, as what, um, you know, field showed in his first game, but like, that's what those guys are. It's always going to be like that. But the fact is that they can make plays with their feet and they're they're They can improvise. And so you're going to have to take some of that, you know, the fact that they're going to hold on to the ball a decent amount of time, but yeah, but you, you, you get the, the flashes and you get the, the stuff out of the pocket that a normal quarterback wouldn't show. So, you know, I'm okay with that. Like, it, you know, he wasn't very good in his first two drives, you know, I don't think they, they asked him to do too much, too much, um, you know, and then he, he flashed and that's kind of what he did, uh, you know, at Ohio state. So uh, I want to see more of them, you know, I'm not ready to declare that he's going to be a superstar yet, but um, you know, I thought he showed some good flashes there. Uh, and then, you know, I didn't get a chance to see Mac Jones at all. He didn't really throw the ball downfield much. It was a lot of dink and dunk, uh, but it sounds like he had a great command of the offense from, from all accounts. Uh, and then Zach Wilson just barely even, I don't think he even threw the ball more than five yards. Right. I mean, it was, everything was short. 
So you want to see these guys let it loose, but uh, but I don't think any of these guys really hurt their cases yet. Um, and I think they they you know a couple of them showed enough flashes, but uh, I want to see a little bit more uh, before I can declare anything. Yeah, it's it's just interesting. like the the Mac Jones thing. Like had, there was a lot of stuff coming out of you know that game where like he looked great and you know, like he should be taken. He was I think he was fine. Like he, he was the guy I was just like, yeah, that's fine. I, I think one of the, the things, you know, there was that the deep shot to the end zone that was, that was dropped. And then he missed another, uh, just barely missed another deep shot. Those were like really the, the two he pushed down the field. I think what's really interesting with, you know, New England is they're, they're definitely, you know, running two different offenses, depending on whether, you know, Cam or the Mac Jones is in there. Um, yeah, I think the, if we're looking at tendencies and, and we're talking about that, you know, um, the Patriots ran a lot more empty uh, with Mac Jones. And I think that uh, plays to his strengths. I think he had like nine or so snaps uh, in empty alone uh, in that preseason game. Um, so I think that that gets him with the ball out quickly, that gets the hands, uh, the ball into the hands of, of some other guys. And that was, you know, a, a thing they did with the Brady uh, quite a bit. The, you know, empty was big, especially, you know, on third downs, trying to, you know, get the ball out quickly. And that's what, you know, what they do. Um, but with the Cam last year, Cam had nine. 19 snaps total uh, in empty uh, last year. And you, you would think even like while running, um, you know, you would use Cam in empty uh, a bit to, you know, spread out the defense, use that, you know, the QB draw game, but they didn't really use that uh, at all either. So I think that's, you know, a, a little, um, you know, an indicator of, of what they're, you know, tinkering uh, with to get Mac Jones on the field. And to go back to, you know, Justin Fields, um, you know, I was, I was really impressed with, with what he did. Um, you know, I think we're, I saw a lot of conversation about, you know, holding onto the ball, but I, I mean, that's, I think that's going to be fine, especially with his style of play. He didn't take a sack, right? So it wasn't holding the ball waiting uh, in the pocket and, you know, having it collapse on him, you know, that, that touchdown run he had, um, you know, was getting out of the way of a defender, basically, you know, stiff arming a guy on his way. Uh, it was kind of like that, uh, that touchdown run he had against, I think, what is it? Indiana. Um, where like so many other quarterbacks are taking a sack there, but he has the ability to escape. Uh, and actually uh, a couple plays before that was, was on a, a third down, um, where he, uh, escaped the pocket after uh, nothing was open. He's you know running to the sideline. Uh, there's uh, the the zone corner who's supposed to be covering the guy. He has to decide. He's in conflict now whether he's going to stay covering uh, the wide receiver or charge up to Justin Fields who can potentially take off. He runs up to Fields and Fields just floats it over his head and uh, it's a completion for a first down and that sets up Fields rushing touchdown. So I, I, and I think that's that's kind of the added element that Justin Fields uh, can. Bring Ring. So I really think like that is, you know, what you're looking for uh, with him. It's not necessarily going to be, you know, you know, stand in the pocket quickly deliver because I don't think you want that to be his game either because he uh, like, you know, we talked about a lot on previous podcasts, even leading up to the draft, how good of a deep thrower he is, how good of an intermediate thrower he is. So he is going to, you know, naturally stand in the pocket a little more. And I think we also... Like, like Rodney Adams was his top target here. So like, it wasn't like he was sitting in the pocket, you know, waiting for Allen Robinson to get open. He was you know, waiting for Rodney Adams to, to get open. So I think we have to, you know, use that a, a little bit as, um, as how we're, you know, framing some of this conversation also. I mean, I, I, Lance was exactly what I thought. I mean, Lance, Lance has played one football game in the past 20 months. 
and it was you know against you know whatever whatever school it was against you know it's you know it's what you expected to see him to play live ammunition to you know show you a glimpse or make some bad plays that's kind of like what i what i expected uh for him uh but yeah i thought all the guys you know definitely showed what you said you just wanted to not brick the performance right to have that that pr kind of presentation one foot forward right you know, start with one foot forward. And that's what all five, I think all five guys did. You know, I thought Zach Wilson played good, just nice in rhythm. You know, he didn't make any wow plays like where, you know, it's like like the Lance play. Uh, but he did everything he was supposed to do and, you know, was probably the sharpest of all five guys. Uh, you know, Lawrence made a couple of nice plays. Uh, you know, he also he had a couple of negative plays. But, yeah, that's all you're looking for with these guys. Um, like I said, put one step forward because that's all you that's all we're looking for. And I will bang the drum. They should all start. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, why are we doing these, like, playing these charades? You know, this people have to stop comparing the San Francisco situation to the Chiefs. and the Chicago situation <laughs> to the, the Chiefs. Like, just start, like, that is such a unique. I mean, you had the Chiefs coming off a double digits, you know, uh, win season. Alex Smith was playing well. Like, there was so many reasons why he should have started. Um, and Patrick Mahomes just you know, from, from the type of offense he was coming from, like, I get like why they, they decided to sit him, but that was such a unique situation. Like this isn't the case here uh, with any of these teams. Like someone's, uh, I think it was Peter King who, who tried to make the claim, Oh, the bears, you know, Matt Nagy came from the, the chiefs and that's what they did there. Like stop trying to compare Andy Dalton to, to even Alex Smith. I mean, it's like it, the bears are not nearly as good. They weren't coming off a division uh, championship uh, in a playoff run. Like this is not the same situation. Um, and so like, uh, you look at the Niners, if you're not going to, if you're not going to start Trey Lance week one in Detroit, you know, that's the easiest situation you can have them in against one of the, maybe the worst defense in the NFL, uh, bad team in general, uh, you're on turf in, indoors with zero sort of weather issue. Like how, what situation do you want him to be in? Uh, if you don't play him the first couple of weeks, they're going to start off really good. You know, I can't imagine they're going to sit Garoppolo if they start off, you know, six and one or seven and two or something like you can't really sit them at that point. You're going to have to stick with them the entire season. So to me, it's like, just start Lance day one, get him ready. You know, you've got an easy schedule. You got a really good defense. You got a great one running game. Like you're going to make the playoffs most likely. So just start him. let him get as much experience as you can. So you can, you can get them ready for, for a playoff run. I don't see the reasoning why you would even um, consider sitting them. And this whole thing with, with Justin Fields, like this is not going to, they're not going to sit him. Both Nagy um, and Pace's job are on the line, right? Like they, this is, this is it. And so you've got to start him. Like you can't afford to have Andy Dalton sit there and, you know, fiddle around with a, a 500 record at best. Like you just, you just start the best players, like enough of this, enough of these charades. <laughs> Yeah, I think what we're going to see with the 49ers is I, I truly believe we're going to see Lance play in some capacity every game. I, I actually believe they're going to start Garoppolo, uh, but they're going to play Lance. Like it's going to be, I think they're going to ramp him up. I think they're going to do what they did in 2012 with Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, this is a different regime and everything, but just the example of 2012 Colin Kaepernick would play, you know, sets and series and they had stuff for him. And eventually when Alex Smith did get hurt and open the door, he was, you know, he had a chance to kind of, get going. I think that's what they're doing. I think they're going to ramp Lance up. Like I said, that last week was the first time he, he, he had played one game in 20 months, uh, you know, of football. So I think they're going to do a ramp up period because I think when you look at the 49ers back half of the season schedule, and when you get in the playoffs, you're, they're going to want that upside that Lance brings, the intangible. So I think they're going to ramp him up to take over at some point. 
Yeah, but the problem is, is okay, so that Kaepernick situation, I, I get that, but the only reason he played is because Alex Smith got hurt. He never right. would have even played. Well, yeah, that's why I said it's not a one v one corollary. It's just, it's just uh, like, you know, they're right. going to have stuff for him. They're going to have stuff for him move at, like to start of the season. Like, even if Lance doesn't start, I believe he's going to play in week one. But I guess my issue would be with that is, okay, the schedule is so easy. It's the easiest schedule in the NFL, according to the, you know, the win totals. So the odds of Garoppolo and the, and the Niners looking poor or not, you know, playing well under Garoppolo are pretty low. Like they're going to win a bunch of games. They're going to look good. So you can't, you don't really have the opportunity to pull him for Lance for the back half of the year. Like you're not going to start off seven and one and say, all right, good job, Jimmy. We're going to go to Trey Lance now full time. So I, I understand. Oh, they, I, I totally Seriously, disagree. Yeah. yeah, I totally disagree with that big time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, that that Kyle Shannon is looking at this situation right now, and I may be totally wrong, is he's looking at it as having his cake and eating it too. They, they can play Jimmy Garoppolo as the starter early in the season, make sure they don't lose games while getting Trey Lance worked in. And then when you need that more upside and that more, you know, kind of where you're, you're going to try to open the bag up towards the end of the season and into the postseason, you can go to it. They could totally. I don't. I don't think if the record will 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 indicate that they have to or force to play Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the season. Now that we're getting way ahead of ourselves into a hypothetical, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely believe that that you know they've already told everyone in the organization, even Jimmy Garoppolo, that Trey Lance is going to be the future of this team. Yeah, I mean, just just trade Jimmy G already to Denver for like a third round pick. <laughs> just get it over with. Like, what do we do? I just just let's go. Like, I don't. I hate how these and I hate how these reporters just buy into all the coach speak. Like, if I have to read one more Twitter account from uh, Matt, Matt Nagy says Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. Like, just enough. Like, stop believing what these coaches say. They always lie. And like like I said, unless it's a, a very rare instance like a Alex Smith Mahomes situation, they always play like it's this in the last 10 years, they always play early, like just enough. I don't want to read any more about these quotes and yeah, like Matt Nagy came from the Kansas city system. No, it's not going to happen. I will, I will lay down any amount of money that by pick, pick the first quarter of the season by week four or five, that Justin Fields is going to start. And if it doesn't, it might not happen week one, maybe, maybe not, but by the first four or five games, he's going to start. Like, it's just not going to happen where he's going to sit behind Andy freaking Dalton when their jobs are on the line and they don't have a great supporting cast uh, around Dalton. I mean, look what I mean, Dalton couldn't, he, he was bad with, uh, with, with all those weapons in Dallas. Like, what is he going to do with, with this core in Chicago? Now your left tackle, your second round pick Jenkins is not going to even play. Like, what, like you're gonna. This guy is gonna win you game. It's just not gonna happen. Like, just enough already. So, anyway, that's my rant. I just hate. I hate the coaches saying it, and I hate the reporters and everybody on Twitter believing what they say and thinking that that's actually what's gonna happen. It's not. And we're gonna sit here and I'll tell you, I told you so, and we all told you so. Like these guys are just just don't believe anything that you read about Andy Dalton starting like a bunch of games this year. Not gonna happen. Yeah, I can. I can see it change it by week three i think dalton gets uh hung out against the rams uh, i don't think they want the fields there uh, he probably gets his you know week two against cincinnati uh and then i would say do week three is probably the the target for when that happens i think it, it's different though in, in san francisco because i think we look at yeah, I think you also have to look at some of, you know, the, the drum beats at, at what's happening in practice, you know, fields getting first team reps, right? So obviously they're, they're working their way in there. Mac Jones is getting first team reps. He's you know, still splitting them with cam, obviously, you know, Trevor Lawrence and, uh, 
Now, Trevor Lawrence apparently is still splitting first team rest with Gardner Minshew. And even though this, uh, <laughs> uh, this is a pro Gardner Minshew uh, podcast, uh, that shouldn't be happening. Um, but uh, Zach Wilson, you know, is obviously the starter. Uh, but Trey Lance is not getting first team reps as a quarterback in practice. So right. I think that's what's going to slow down his possible um you know, move into, into a starter. I think if San Francisco was very serious about starting him early in the season, he would be getting more of those first team reps as a quarterback. The first team reps he has been getting uh, is like Rich said, it's in a package where there are some, you know, uh, QB run packages for him. He is, you know, throwing a little bit from these packages, um, but he's not, you know, taking the starting quarterback reps uh, from the first team. Wait, has that not to interrupt you? Like, has that ever mattered? Like I can tell Baker Mayfield was not taking first team reps at all. He was, he was like the third stringer supposedly in practice uh, when he was a rookie. And then right. well, in. I'm going to assume Kyle Shanahan has, uh, you know, a slightly better idea of what he's doing than Hugh Jackson did when he was, <laughs> when he was uh, putting uh, Baker Don't take in, that in a practice. Come on, Dan. <laughs> I'm going to assume a little bit more rational coaching from, from Shanahan. Um, but no, I, I think it, it does a, a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think they would be, you know, ramping him up uh, a little more if it was, I, I mean, I agree with you. He's going to play sooner rather than later. Um, but I do think Garoppolo probably, you know, does start a little bit and, and Lance in general, I'm, I'm interested to see because like to Rich's point of why it was, you know, his first game in like two years, um, you know, it, it seems like he was a, a little jittery. I think we saw that on, on some of the sacks. You know, he did have some of those drops, which would have made his performance, you know, look a little better. But he also looked like a guy that was, you know, eh, was a little beefed up on, on adrenaline. It, it felt like he was throwing 97 on on every pass that he was throwing. So I would like to see if, if he can, you know, maybe calm down a little bit. And there were certainly positives and I would be pushing for him to start. And I would want to get him some more, you know, first team reps to get him a, a little more comfortable. But I think when you, you know, compare it to e- even a Justin Fields who was coming in, who had some, you know, nice touch passes, knew when to put velocity on passes, knew when to take it off. And I feel like, you know, Trey Lance was, you know, just throwing 97, 98 on every pass he threw in. I mean, he has the arm to do it. Um, but when you're throwing to, you know, Brandon Ayuk four yards past the line of scrimmage, you can, uh, you can take a little off. So uh, I'm, uh, that's um, something I'm interested to see with Trey Lance. And I wonder if that's something, you know, the 49ers are seeing in practice a little bit that they, they need to kind of adjust that a little bit before they really throw him out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I we all want uh, we all want him to start week one. Yeah, I just yeah, think that no the scenario, the way the way I see the scenario playing out right now, is that they are going to slow build him in mm-hmm. instead of throwing him in. Because I really think they look at this opening schedule and they don't want to play themselves into losses because they feel like they could they should win all these games to open. And you can do both. Like I said, I feel like it's a really situation where he, Kyle Shan's looking at this and he wants to have his cake and eat it too. And granted, those situations don't always work out, but uh, I really believe that they're going to ramp him up, like slowly add more to his plate as we go. And Because his situation is unique compared to the other four guys. It really is. All these guys played last year, and they played in big college programs. This guy played one game in 20 months of football at North Dakota State. Like there is a, a difference in his situation compared to the other four guys. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I, I fully, fully understand that. I just – I just think that if you don't do it early, you're, you're setting yourself up to, okay, you're stuck with Jimmy G the entire season. Like that you better not try and think that, like, how are you going to replace a guy who's they're not trading him? They like, aren't going to trade him. 
But, but, see, but you see my point, though. Like, I get it's a different situation. I'm not denying that. But if you don't put Lance in early, they're going to win too many games. You can't justify to a locker room. Uh, we're going – we're sitting the, the veteran quarterback who started off 8-2, and two, right, or whatever it is, and we're going to put in this rookie. Like, how could you justify that? Um, you know, so I understand playing them a little bit and doing those sorts of things, but you either start them way early or you just say, that's it. We're only going to use them in packages and he's not going to start another game. He's not going to start this year unless it's an emergency or unless Jimmy G really falls on his face. And I don't see that happening with this schedule. So I guess that's my point is if your whole plan all along is I I don't even want to start them. I just wanted to have these, you know, these, the few plays incorporated per, per game and then really set it up for next year. That's no problem. Like, go ahead and do that. But don't think that you're going to start Jimmy G day one. And then all of a sudden, like 10 games in a season when they're on a roll, just decide, oh, yeah, let, let's go with the rookie. Like, it has to be one or the other. There's no in between here. I don't think you can, you can thread that needle here um, just based upon the roster they have, based upon who they have to face. So, uh, we'll see how it plays out. It'll be interesting. And the other factor is what if he just, you know, in his five plays per game, whatever, he just is totally t- carving guys up and he's, you know, just looking really good. You know, there's going to be. You know, well, that would make it easier for the other end of your argument. If he's getting stuff added and he's adding a different dynamic. I mean, I think that that transition becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it, it sets it up from a kind of a non-quantitative, like a purely a locker room perspective. It just makes it more difficult uh, one way or another. Um, it, it's just not easy to, to pull off. So I, 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 let's see what happens. Um, like I said, I personally would just say day one, like you're our guy. We're going we're gonna to live through some of the, the headaches because I think we're just going to win games no matter what. Um, and then you can always go to Jimmy G if it's four or five games in and he's struggling. You can no, always just go to Jimmy no. G. I think you, you, I'm just no, saying you, you have that option opposite. though. Uh-huh. No, you don't want to. Why? Why would you start a guy and then pull the rookie? I, you that that's worse. I think that's worse because you have a locker room that they're trying to win games too. Like they're trying to win a Super Bowl, and so if he's real, I'm just saying if he falls on his face in the and if you start him early and he's just horrible, like at least you can justify it. But if it's the other way around, like you can't you can't have Jimmy G start and win all these games and they're going to win a bunch of games early and then just pull them. Like, how are you going to pull that off? That's that doesn't happen. I mean, it's pretty rare for that to happen. So um, I'm just saying, like, at least you have a justification for it in, in that scenario. Um, but anyway, we'll see what happens. I, I'll I don't know. I mean, I, I think we saw that with the Miami last year where they were doing fine with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They put in Tua when Fitzpatrick was playing fine, um, then I don't think that, you know, completely disrupted the locker room. They still won games. Uh, I think sometimes it was, you know, despite the quarterback, but it was, we have a top five pick in this guy. We want him to play. Uh, and they, they put him in. I, yeah. But that's a smart organization. They, that's not, a, that wasn't a Super Bowl contender. <laughs> that, that was a, we're a fringe. Well, the one thing with the 49ers too is let's, let's not put the cart in front of the horses, the 49ers, which we already have. So Detroit and Philadelphia, those are winnable games in the road, but let's not act like they can not lose a bunch of these games afterwards. Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona, Indianapolis, Chicago, Arizona, the Rams. Don't, don't act, let's not act like all those are auto wins either. I could also see, I mean, yeah, just, I mean, uh, uh, Stephen Ruiz uh, tweeted um, uh, a play from last year where uh, there was, they basically ran, you know, week with, um, with Kyle Yushek and 
he was wide open down the sideline and Garoppolo just did overthrew him by like five yards. It was wide open. You could see uh, in the all 22 shot, Shanahan has his <laughs> arms up uh, like saying, Oh, this is a touchdown. And then like just throws them down in anger. I think the first time Garoppolo does that, he could be pulling uh, the pulling him for a Trey Lance. So I, this, this could go, you know, so many different ways uh, regardless of, uh, I think the, the team quality. And, and I mean, they, they traded up, for Lance for a reason. So uh, I think we're all in agreement. We're going to see him you know, sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah. there were way in the weeds and the hypotheticals yeah. at this point. <laughs> well, this is, a, we got to talk about something. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, so as, as we move on from some quarterbacks, uh, are there some, some other guys who have, you know, stood out to you in, in the preseason that you're either um, were excited to see uh, do well in uh, the first game or uh, are excited to, you know, continue to see uh, what the roles are going to be over, you know, the next couple of games. And I think I'm thinking, you know, we were kind of talking about some, you know, dynasty guys. And I think the guys you pay attention to are really the guys who have had, you know, a steady drumbeat in practice and then kind of showed up in, in, the preseason game and are continuing to do so. And I think a guy we're going to do is uh, if you've listened to, you know, the, the fantasy show Rich and I did at the beginning of last season, uh, we're, we're big Quez Watkins fans uh, of Philadelphia. And, and he's a guy who uh, I think is in this scenario. I think if you listen to the beat reporters coming out of Philadelphia, Watkins has had a really good summer that was leading up to the first preseason game where he took that screen uh, from Joe Flacco and, screen for uh, a touchdown uh he had you know his one big play last year uh during the regular season was uh a long screen he took for a touchdown uh he's a guy who was a, you know, a great returner in college he has that kind of ability um and i think even after that game the in the week after uh training camp or in the training camp practices after uh, the past preseason game he's still been showing out and i think a, a lot of uh guys in looking at this eagles team think he's going to be at worst the wide receiver three uh, for this team and, and maybe could be pushing, you know, Jalen Rager for snaps uh, when they're in, you know, 12 personnel. I think people are expecting them to run a little more 11 personnel under Nick Sirianni with, you know, with the Zach Ertz situation, not, you know, completely figured out. And even if Ertz is still on the team, probably not going to play as many snaps uh, as he did uh, previously. So if this is a, you know, a wide receiver heavier team and this guy is going to be the wide receiver three, I think he has some big playability. So he, he's a guy I'm uh, very excited to see as we're um, you know, recording this on Thursday. I think they play tonight uh, against uh, the Patriots. So I- I'm interested to see. And you know, it, some of the joint practices we were talking about, we're, we're learning a little more from joint practices than we are from preseason games, but he had you know, a nice route against uh, J.C. Jackson. Uh, the other day, and J.C. Jackson's one of the best corners uh, in the league. So you don't want to take you know too much away from these one on ones, but you know a guy that it's the consistent drumbeat uh, of stuff like that. So uh, I'm I'm very interested to see uh, you know what what he's going to do uh, going forward. I, I loved what Javante Williams showed. I mean, only hmm. five carries, to 29 yards. You know, again, I, I'm uh, extremely biased since I wrote that uh, Rookie of the Year <laughs> article uh, back in May, but. I thought he looked great. I mean, he had 13 yards, 11 yards in his first two carries. He, he scored a touchdown. It was a callback because of a, a penalty. But I thought he looked fantastic. I thought Denver as a whole looked great, um, you know, obviously with uh, with Minnesota playing the backups. But so that that was one. I want to say I want to see what he does in practice. Now, Mike Boone's out for a while. Um, so it's between him and, and Melvin Gordon. We'll see if the team decides to give him 
um, you know, give him a majority of the carries or if they decide to, to go with the veteran, but I thought he looked explosive. Um, so that's a guy that, that I liked. I think, you know, again, uh, I did watch the Browns uh, the most of, of any of the teams and thought uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's getting a lot of pub in training camp, um, he, he showed out on the field as well uh, during the game. He's just, he's separating, he's showing all the skills that made him a, a five-star recruit going into Michigan. Um, don't know what happened in Michigan uh, as a John Harbaugh, uh, Jim Harbaugh effect, but uh, he, he looked fantastic. He's been looking fantastic in camp and had a good first preseason game. So that's, those are a couple of guys. And I want to see what Drew Locke does. Like I, I've kind of written him off. <laughs> I think Teddy Bridgewater is better from a, you know, um, game management perspective and just kind of getting those guys, you know, all those weapons, the ball, but, you know, uh, we'll see if he continues his, uh, his first game, um, his positive first game with that 80 yard touchdown to KJ Hamler. I mean, just Denver is just loaded with weapons. I think it's pretty impressive, but um, so those are a couple of guys that, that, you know, I thought stood out. I, I don't know, uh, Rich, if you had anybody else, uh, um, maybe fantasy wise, but any guys that, that you liked, um, you know, in preseason the first week. Well, remember the preseason is only here for confirmation bias, and if the guys we like yes, don't play well, we correct. just chalk it. To, we just chalk it up to the preseason anyway. So we say they were learning. Uh, so we're all here for the confirmation bias. It was nice seeing Quez Watkins because you know both Dan and I were high on him last year, and he was a guy who basically lost his year, right? You know, obviously rookie. You know, uh, six-round pick is kind of buried last year. Then he gets hurt in in training camp. Uh, he's, he's placed on IR. He was funny is when they activated him finally in week 15, he scored a touchdown his first game active. Um, and then, you know, gets the full off season, gets to work with the team this year. Uh, you know, Devonte Smith being out, you know, kind of to the last few weeks helped elevate him and give him an opportunity. Uh, but last year, I mean, he was 12th of all wide receivers in that class in yards per team pass attempt. He's a great kick and punt returner. We know he can fly around a four, three, five 40. That's a team. If they end up putting all this speed on the field could really be interesting. If he, if he is a good good enough to play in three wide receiver sets and they have him, Ragor, and Devontae Smith on the field. That's a lot of speed. And when you add the fact that you have a mobile quarterback and a home run hitter like Miles Sanders, like that's a team that could have a lot of, you know, Caddy Wampus production where they look terrible for like three drives and then just hit 80 yard touchdowns. Uh, they've, that's the, how they've kind of built their offense, you know, uh, with Jalen Hurts right now. So they're a team that could be really kind of have a lot of variance uh, week to week and even play to play in games, drive to drive. Uh, then some other guys, you know, like we, we've heard the drumbeat on Jacoby Myers. He came in and just gets targeted almost on all his routes. Uh, Marcus Callaway was another guy in the same boat. Uh, just just take, totally taking their opportunities and kind of going with it. You know, then on the negative end, we saw guys like Miles Gaskin, you know, we've seen that, that quagmire that could be uh, on the horizon with the Miami backfield. And then Adam Troutman, his usage, we were looking for a lot more, I think, opportunity for Adam Troutman, especially the way this offense was set up and, you know, he only runs a, a route uh, on nine of the 16 first team snaps. Uh, you know, they're talking about Juwan Johnson having a pass catching role. Uh, not the kind of usage you want to see right out of the gates for a guy like Troutman, who could have been a guy like people are counting on to maybe be like a little bit of a sleeper option as well. Um, but I, I haven't really like focused on any of the defensive side of the ball. I know a lot of people probably listen to this podcast too. And we're like, what about the, you know, the, the defensive guys, uh, you know, so, but uh, I didn't really get in the weeds there. Hey, um, Dan, one guy I wanted to bring up, uh, quarterbacks that kind of lost in the, in all the hype is Jordan Love. He, I mean, just from a numbers perspective, we look at it. Did you or did anybody get a chance to, to watch his action? Did he look as good as, as, you know, some of the numbers pointed out to? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think he looked all right. Uh, that was not a game I, I dove into uh, super deeply. I think I just watched a little bit of the, the condensed and, and he looked 
fine. I think the interesting thing with him is he got injured uh, during it, and I think he's going to be out. And he's not going to play this week, so that's uh, kind of a setback where he could, you know, continue to build on that. But uh, you know, if if he can get some of that accuracy down, which yeah, I think is a thing he was doing a little better in that preseason game. It looked like he's doing you know a little better uh, through the practices that you know, we've had reports on, um, and, and you put someone in that LaFleur offense, I think there's always a potential where it's, it's going to look better than the quarterback, you know, really has to, you know, take over. Right. So I think he's going to be uh, helped a little bit from the scheme and, you know, there's throws he can make. So he, he's a guy where you would like to, you know, continue to see more. It's, you know, not great for him that, uh, an injury kind of set that back uh, a bit, but, um, yeah, so it's. I think a lot of some of these guys that um, you know we're seeing, especially you know the the, the second year guys. Um, you know, I, I wrote about that a few weeks ago and see you know, what these guys are going to do. Guys like I think you know, Tua looked you know really good until that you know red zone interception um, that was on his you know final throw of the game. But I think if he can be pushing the ball down the field a little more, that's good. I think you know Hertz has looked. Hertz is another guy where I think we we heard earlier in the in training camp where uh, the Eagles offense looked you know apparently absolutely uh, terrible and. Um, you know, nothing was working, but I think the past few weeks and even through the, the preseason game, Hertz has looked better. So I think that's, um, you know, fun to see. I think the, the same thing has happened with the Bengals, um, with uh, with Burrow. We've got so many reports out of Cincinnati that uh, the offense just looks like the, the worst offense that's ever been put on an NFL field. Um, but it, over the past, you know, you know, week and a half or so. Do we um, think he plays know, at all in the preseason? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the same thing. Yeah, it's also interesting in, in that piece that I I wrote on the on the second year quarterbacks and what they need to do, to, you know, is take a, a second year leap. Uh, obviously, you know, Joe Burrow pushing the ball down the field uh, is going to, uh, you know, need to be happen. It need to happen uh, with a little more consistency. I think not having AJ Green. We, I mean, we've talked about that, but um, what really struck me is is how good he was on on short on those short quick passes and and from empty. Like he was, you know. It, one of the best in, in EPA per play on, on those, you know, in that quick game. So, um, you know, I, I knew he was good at it, but going back and actually, you know, looking at the numbers, looking at some of those plays, they were so good there. So I think that's the thing, even if he's not comfortable with that knee, um, you know, I think they can still rely on that quick game a little bit where you have Tyler Boyd, you still have T Higgins. who can win in that area. I think you have Jamar Chase who can win in that area. I know, you know, we, we stress, you know, getting down the field a little bit with, with some of those guys, but I think that that can still be a, a good base for that offense. And I expect the intermediate and the, um, and the deep passes to be a little better there. So yeah, he, he is a guy that, you know, you would like to see in the preseason, but I, I really don't think they, they do that at all. Um, so is there, is there anyone else uh, we want to hit uh, for, for preseason or are we just, uh, you know, just going to sit back in, in, in another week and, and see uh, who, who flashes? I did like uh, Terrace Marshall. Uh, you know, he had a long. Oh, we all do. Yeah, and he, he didn't have a long. It wasn't a long. Um, he didn't score a touchdown, but it was a long uh, reception on a broken play. Nice job by Philip Walker to get out of that. But um, I thought he looked good. I, I think that Carolina – um, offense and Dan's going to disagree. I think it'd be really good depending on what Darnold does. He just has to be average. He just has to distribute the ball. But I mean, if he's your number three receiver to go along with, 
you know, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And then, you know, you've got McCaffrey back in the backfield. You got Dan Arnold, who's at least a, you know, a serviceable tight end. Like they've got some speed and some weapons and with Joe Brady, they can really, really do some things I think on offense and be exciting. So I thought Marshall uh, looked looked pretty good. He looked pretty big, bigger than I thought he would look, and so I think he looks apart for sure. And I think he's going to add a lot to that to that offense. So him him as a number three receiver, I thought um, you know he showed out there. So so that's a guy that I'm definitely looking for more uh, going forward. Yeah, he was the 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 unique guy in this receiver class that that fit that old school alpha archetype. You know, it was a, it was uh, such a group of of slender svelte guys. And he was the, the big clasher of the group that had that, that big, that big body. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, especially against those Carolina receivers too, he looks like a giant. Yeah. And I think if we're, uh, we're going with, you know, rookie receivers yeah, who we love. I, I want to see some more uh, Diami Brown. I think he was really close to having a nice uh shot down the sideline, but uh, was missed by Heineke. So uh, I think if you can get into uh, that receiver rotation a little more, we, we see a little more uh, from him. I think there's uh, some big plays on the horizon there. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, th- I think we can continue to go into the weeds on uh, uh, all the guys we, we like and want to see. Um, Confirmation but, uh, bias is all we care we about. Go. Here we go. <laughs> it was, yeah, especially for Diami. It was, it was not him. It was a miss. He did everything right. It was a miss pass. Um, it should have been, should have been caught for, for a deep reception. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all the preseason is, but uh, I think we're, we're trying to come in here a little, uh, a little more even keeled. Um, so uh, we're going to continue to do that. I think we have some, some fun shows lined up for, uh, for the rest of um, uh, the preseason. Uh, we're going to get to uh, our wins draft uh, in, in a couple weeks, I think. So uh, that was a fun show uh, last year. Well, uh, actually it, it wasn't. I, it was a fun show. I, I, just, I disagree. It's, it's, <laughs> it did not go well. Um, so uh, hoping for uh, some better results. Um, so as we uh, head into the preseason um, and head now uh, closer into the season, um, the uh, early bird sales for um, on Sharp Football Analysis for all, for Rich's fantasy package, for some of the betting packages and, and all the other uh, packages that we offer, the early bird uh Prices are going to be ending on Monday. Uh, so uh, you have uh, a couple more days to get there and, and get those uh, prices before they go up for the regular season. Um, so you can continue to find all our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can follow uh, Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can follow TA on Twitter at Cleve TA. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. I'd like to thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you again soon. 